Good morning. It is so good to be back here. Um, my name is Sophie. I'm the pastor, one of the co-pastors at Heirloom East Bay, which is another uh, ministry on our district. We're out in Castor Valley. And I realized as I opened up my notes to start writing my sermon that I have been able to preach here the past four Februaries. <laughs> so I went to open my notes and all of my previous Cupertino sermon notes said, February this, February this. So thank you again for having me here. Because of the pandemic, I didn't actually get to see any of you in person the last time or two that I preached for you. Um, I just got to preach to a video screen. So it is really a gift to get to see some of your faces again in person. So thank you again for the gracious hospitality for having me back here uh, while Pastor Chris is on sabbatical. Um, I also brought along with me uh, two folks from our community, Jack and Carissa, who live with us at Heirloom. Um, they came so that they could hold my new baby, Milo, while I preach today. Um, so if you want a little baby time, you can definitely say hi to Milo today before we leave. Hopefully he doesn't cry too much during this sermon and enjoys what I have to say. Um, so super grateful to Jack and Carissa for being baby holders and um, supporters as I am able to join you today. I'll be preaching from Jeremiah 17 today, and it's one of the lectionary passages, so it means that Christians all around the world um, are turning to this passage today in different churches, and I always find, especially when I'm invited to join a church and I'm not, you know, in your normal sermon uh, series, to look at the lectionary as a guide to where to start, um, to where to open the word of the Lord and I was super grateful to open it up and find that this was one of the passages for the week because it's a passage that has spoken to me um, over the years and in various seasons. So I hope that today, Jeremiah 17 can be a source of encouragement to you wherever you find yourself in this season. Will you join me in prayer as we begin the sermon time today? Gracious God, God of love, God with us, we pray as we dig into your word today, as we open these scriptures from so long ago, that you would speak to us, that you would make it fresh, that your presence would be an encouragement to us this morning wherever we find ourselves. We praise you for your timelessness and for the way that your spirit moves from season to season. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is our scripture today, Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 12. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending its roots out by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. This is the word of the Lord. 
So a little bit of background on this scripture. The book of Jeremiah is trying to make sense of a really catastrophic time for the people of Israel. It's a time when their world as they know it has ended. The people are uprooted. They've lost their sense of home, their sense of place in the world, and their sense of God's presence. And the prophet is deeply grieved about the state of his people and the state of the world, as the people of Israel have failed to live up to their covenant with God. They act unjustly, they do not defend the needy, and they have failed to love their neighbors. And so the prophet Jeremiah in this book is trying to call the people back to return to the Lord and bear the fruit of justice and righteousness in relational covenant with their God. Jeremiah here is warning the people of exile of the end of their reign as the kingdom of Judah. As a prophet, Jeremiah isn't like a fortune teller trying to predict the future. That's not actually what prophets do. But instead, he's warning the people about the logical consequences of their actions. That the people of God are likely to endure some form of earthly suffering as a result of their failures to live justly and righteously. He warns them that they're going to lose their home and that the world as they know it is falling apart. So in this passage from Jeremiah 17, the, the prophet is trying to call the people back to their relationship with God, to remind them of what is most important. And to do this, he contrasts two ways of living. Those who trust in mere mortals, who place their trust in the empire, will be like shrubs in the desert. They will enter a wilderness and find no relief. But those who are deeply rooted in God, like a tree, will find nourishment and blessing. And so, historically, when Israel ultimately revealed that they had indeed placed their trust in mere mortals and in their own strength and in the power of the empire, they were conquered by the Babylonian Empire. They were uprooted from their home, forcibly removed and taken to live in another land under the rule of an enemy. Their temple, which was God's dwelling place, the symbol of God's presence among them, had been destroyed. So after exile, the Israelites can no longer rely merely on their location or their home or their way of life as they knew it as a sign of God's blessing. Because everything that they know, their normal, has been totally uprooted. When we think about being uprooted or our normal being totally shaken, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to jump forward to our current day and think about life under this pandemic. Pretty much everything that we thought was normal has been shaken up in some ways over these last couple of years. This pandemic has uprooted our systems and our habits and our expectations. I think back because a few years ago, none of us would have known the phrase social distancing. Wearing a mask would have seemed like, okay, maybe someone does that in the grocery store and they're feeling sick, but the idea that we would all be wearing masks most of the time as a very normal thing would have seemed very abnormal a few years ago. Most people weren't working from home, and we weren't all addicted to Wordle yet or baking sourdough, two things that I have definitely taken up during the pandemic. And so all these things that a couple of years ago, if you had talked about social distancing, would have seemed very abnormal, now feel like the norm. 
But some of those things that felt very normal and typical have become abnormal or shaken or things we just can't count on. Like whether or not we'll be able to gather on a Sunday morning in person for church. Going out to lunch or to share a meal with our friends and family. Gathering for the holidays. I would have never thought that I wouldn't be able to travel or visit my family at the holidays because of a pandemic. Those are things I thought I could count on. There are so many consistent things we thought we could rely on that this pandemic has uprooted in our lives. We've made plans, then canceled them, readjusted for a new variant, and then we just canceled things all over again. And so understandably, at least I am, feeling a bit shaken up, a bit uprooted, as we've realized that our trust in systems and institutions was unreliable. We may have put our trust in the school systems, and then our kids got sick or their mode of education was disrupted. Or we may have put our trust in our jobs, and then suddenly those were designated non-essential. We've put our trust in the government or medical institutions or financial systems, only to find over and over and over that those were unreliable in meeting our needs. Personally, um, the ground beneath me has shifted a lot as well during this last year. Back in May, my husband Jared, who many of you have met um, and were likely praying for after this happened, he fell through a roof at a barn uh, where we live at Heirloom. He fell 15 feet and he landed on concrete. And he had a fracture in his skull, rib fractures, uh, broke his back, and had a traumatic brain injury. And there's really nothing that uproots you or causes a massive upheaval like someone running into your house to say, there's been an accident. I know I'm not the only one who's received kind of a massive disruption like that. Maybe it was a doctor's visit with a new diagnosis, a call with bad news, that painful work meeting where you lost your job. Or there are disruptions that are more subtle or lingering, like ongoing family tension, chronic pain, financial struggles. We've all found ourselves uprooted at some point. The ground beneath us has shifted in some massive way, and we're not actually sure how to keep going. And so one thing I really love about this passage from Jeremiah is its honesty about the seasons of life, about the seasons of faith. Because this scripture doesn't say if heat or drought comes. It says when the heat or the drought comes. It says when the heat comes and in the year of drought. And because the scripture names these things as inevitable, there is no shame in our suffering. We will all experience heat and drought. We will all suffer and have our world uprooted on some point. This is just part of being human. There will be a year of drought. Maybe it will be years of drought. We all thought 2020 was this wild year, and then once the calendar turned over to 2021, it would get a little bit better, and then 2021 was still kind of crazy too, and now we're in 2022, and we're still not really sure if the ground beneath us has quite settled. But Jeremiah, in this passage, offers us a way to respond 
to the disruption, to the suffering, to the pain, to the heat and the drought that will inevitably come. The prophet says, those who trust in the Lord are like a tree planted by water. So when the heat comes, it does not fear and the leaves remain green. And in the year of drought, it is not anxious and does not cease to bear fruit. Displacement, upheaval, is not the final word, thanks be to God. Israel, indeed, they've lost their home. They've been sent into exile. They've lost their grounding, and the world around them has been uprooted. But there is return and restoration in store for God's people. Disruptions may be seemingly never-ending. We will encounter years of turmoil in this world and seasons of spiritual dryness. But for the people of God, these difficult seasons do not completely uproot us. I found that the first part of deepening our roots, of deepening our trust in God, that source of living water, is to first name and acknowledge the areas of struggle, drought, and suffering. We have to face our disruptions so that we can also move through them. So we're going to listen to another worship song, and I'm going to give you some questions to reflect on as we sing together. Reflect on these questions, and then when the song is done, turn to the person next to you and share a little bit about what is on your heart. So take a moment to reflect on what causes you to feel shaken up or uprooted. It may be like a really distinct event, like the accident that my family has endured this year. But it may also be something more subtle in your, in your weeks or your days that when that thing happens, it leaves you just feeling frazzled and uprooted. So face those disruptions. Name what lately has been causing you to feel uprooted. And also spend a little time, and I'll, this is a preview of where the second half of the sermon is going. When that happens, what practices help ground you in God's presence? What helps bring you back to your roots? Those are the reflection questions. Let's sing and worship together. Right. Thank you so much for taking a little moment to reflect on these questions and to share around the room. It's always the fear, you know, when you put a question out there that the room will just be silent. And so hearing little murmurings around was um, encouraging to me. So thanks for, for jumping into a little reflection time. I've really found that the more I'm able to reflect on how I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing allows me the presence and the awareness to see how God is then moving or where God is leading me. Um, this is just a side note, but uh, my pastor in San Diego has a phrase, um, walking backward into the future, as a way of looking at your past and being able to reflect on what has been happening as you are moving, and then you're able to kind of see how God has been working that whole time as you are taking steps into the future. Anyways, as someone who is very future-oriented most of the time, it's helpful to pause and take a moment to reflect back. Um, especially when we experience these moments of disruption or drought, creating space for reflection can help us tune into God's presence. 
when that disruption happens, the scripture here is calling us to be like a tree by the water, sending roots out into the stream. The blessing that the scripture is offering here is God's sustaining presence, not necessarily worldly success. The blessing is peace for our anxiousness and fruitfulness in lieu of fear. My spiritual director has said, when it feels like the ground beneath our feet is shifting every day, we need to be rooted in God, the solid ground of our being. That's a old name for God, the ground of our being. And it seems fitting to this scripture because when we are nourished and satisfied, satisfied and grounded in God alone, then when our circumstances crumble or the world is in turmoil, we do not grow anxious and we continue to bear fruit. We may get a little anxious. I don't want to say that nobody gets anxious just because we trust in God. But instead, the blessing is that God's presence brings us peace in that moment. When we look at the metaphor of this scripture, the shrub versus the tree, um, we'll look at the difference in their root systems. In a drought, the easily accessible surface water all dries up first. So a shrub, which only has shallow roots, can't actually access any nourishment. But if there's a tree planted near a water source, those roots go deeper into the source. So even when that surface water dries up, the tree can continue to bear fruit, even with heat and drought, because those deep roots have reached further into the water source. We are being encouraged to be like that tree, to plant ourselves near the source, to root our lives in God's presence. And this is good news for us today, that God is not some abstract being sitting on a cloud far away, watching down on us as our world falls apart. God is with us. Emmanuel, right? God with us. God is the ground of our being. God is the source of living water. God has made a dwelling place among God's people. So for the Israelites, God guides them through the wilderness. God accompanies them even through the exile. God never abandons God's people even when their circumstances change or when their physical home is destroyed. God is faithful to God's promises because not only does God bring the Israelites home from exile, God then enters our world, takes on flesh, and makes God's home among us. Through the incarnation, through Jesus Christ, God is making it explicit that God is with us down here on earth in all of our daily living, in the seasons of heat or drought or dryness or turmoil, God is with us. In John 15, verses 4 through 6, Jesus says this, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown up, 
thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. Christ makes a home in us and invites us to make our home in Christ. Abiding in us, us abiding in Christ. Jesus isn't bringing a wildly new teaching here. This is actually the wisdom of Jeremiah embodied in Jesus himself. The invitation to abide in Christ is the invitation for us to live like a tree planted by the water. For me, finding ways for my roots to grow deep into God, this ground of all being, the living water, has looked really different in every season. There have been seasons where I've been growing deeper with God through very set, distinct times of prayer or through maybe a community Bible study where I'm learning amongst other people or through service in a local ministry. As I look back over the seasons of my life, God has been present with me and teaching me in various ways through different seasons. And so when my world turned upside down, when the ground was just pulled out from beneath me, when the accident happened and I found myself spending all of visiting hours in the ICU, I didn't really have the space for a sustained prayer or a community Bible study or some of the practices that maybe had helped me connect with God in those other times. To be honest, I mostly found myself just crying or breathing, which I also came to see as ways that God was with me. I found this um, phrase in a prayer book that I had with me in the hospital that said, the holy is here. And so as I faced just this awful situation, I just kept repeating to myself, the holy is here. The holy is here. The holy is here. It was as much a reminder to myself and a desperate plea for God's presence that I believed was true, but I had to just keep saying to myself over and over and over again because I really didn't have any other words to pray. And as that phrase stuck with me, when I couldn't really make sense of what was happening and I didn't have a lot of energy to spend on the typical prayer practices that sustained me, the simplicity of that prayer kept God's presence alive for me even when my world had been uprooted. I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of pain. All of that was mixed in, but there was also a deep sense of God's presence in the ICU nurses and their kindness, in the marvel of science and medicine that was keeping Jared alive and healing, in the brief moments as he came back and out of the coma and was just more and more himself I tried to turn that whole experience into an opportunity of seeing God working in everything around me. The practice didn't feel like much, but it was like one little root that reached toward the water source. It was something simple to connect me to God when everything was, frankly, awful. It was awful. And we have all found ourselves in awful places And this pandemic has showed that for many of us. Days can just be awful. And yet, pandemic faith can be rooted in God and still look a little different than our other seasons. Finding those new ways to connect with God can be frustrating or challenging, 
but it can also be an opportunity to grow our roots deeper and wider, to experience the love and presence of God in new ways. I wouldn't wish a traumatic accident on anyone, and I'm not here to say that I'm glad it happened or was a really valuable learning experience or anything like that. Just because we trust in God or have deep faith does not guarantee that we won't be hurt by the fragility and brokenness of the world. Because to be human is to suffer. I really wish the accident hadn't happened. I wish that our family still wasn't managing the impact of a brain injury. I wish that we all weren't still dealing with the isolation or tension or continuing challenge of the pandemic. Whatever your situation is in this room, I wish that you weren't dealing with loneliness. I wish that you weren't behind on your work or your school. I wish that you weren't losing your job or friends and family members. I wish those things weren't happening to us. The circumstances can be terrible, and it remains true that God is present with us, that God can be revealed to us in new and beautiful ways in our seasons of drought and heat. I'd like to offer this prayer for us today that came from um, the author Sarah Bessie. I subscribed to her newsletter, and so this came into my inbox this week. And it's just been sitting with me as this reminder that God is with us in the beautiful and the tragic, in the extraordinary and the mundane, that the good news for us is that God is with us in all of it. Almighty One, I used to think I had to approach you, thou, with formal language or unknown tongues or recited acronyms, bless it. But now it's nice to simply be us together, isn't it? God of our rapid tests and nose swabs. God in our bewilderment and grief. God in our world, wordless prayers and our persistent fears. God in our exhaustion and our anger. It's just so good to know you are here. Your presence these days feels like vast patience and deep power, poetry and prairie sunsets. God of our laughter and science. God in our joy and comfort. God in our patience and our kindness. God in our rising up and renewal. It's just good to know you're here. I'll bring everything I am to you. None of it is a surprise, I know. I don't need to pretend to be less angry, disappointed, Scared, sad, joyful, hopeful, awake, alive. Emmanuel, God with us. It's your very with usness that gives us permission to pray as fully human, fully beloved, fully known. You're here and always, then, now, forever. It's just good to remember this again. It's just good to know you're here. Still, always, in conversations that never really begin or end, winding their way through every aspect of our lives and your love. God in our cluttered homes and holy hospitals. God in the sacred places we've forgotten. God in the ordinary cathedrals of the spruces. God in the gray sky and the grocery list. It's just good to know you're here, with us, still, 
always. Amen.